Hey everybody, it's Matt. We are getting closer to OsmosisCon 2020. We've got a couple episodes left. We've been highlighting all the speakers. I really want to encourage you to consider going if you haven't made the decision yet on uh, on what you're going to do if you're still on the fence. And there's a lot of really cool content that's going to be there. And what's amazing is even after the event is done, you'll have the ability to go back and check out the great speakers and uh, you'll get your continuing education and it won't be there for you. So if you are not signed up yet, you're missing out on a lot of cool stuff that's going on in GlobalCast. So uh, don't delay. If you plan on signing up and going, uh, you want to make sure you are registered to go. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in these last few weeks. It's been great uh, speaking to the speakers and getting to know them a little bit better. Yeah, we weren't sure what was going to happen. This was kind of a new concept and, uh, you know, doing the podcast to feature the speakers. And I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like uh, I've got a good sense of uh, the material that's going to be out there. And uh, I appreciate you guys taking a ride with me. Before we jump into the show today, I just wanted to make a quick announcement that uh, the folks at Parabin have done something really cool. They are giving away 10 seats to PFIC 2020. That is their yearly conference. It involves digital forensics. You'll get 19 continuing education credits. The value of each seat is $99. So they've been incredibly generous. If you guys are interested, please, please email me at Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S, as in Sam, at satellitepi.com. $99 value, 19 continuing education credits. Arabin, thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank you for the support. I've had it, guys. Send me an email. Here we go into the show. Welcome to the second to last Osmosis 2020 Quick Hit segment. The conference is right around the corner on October 11th. Our guest this week is Chris Poulter. Chris hails from Australia and is talking about using social engagement metrics for robust link analysis. What does that mean? Well, you're about to find out. Our sponsors today are OsmosisCon 2020 and TheInvestigatorsToolbox.com. Now let's welcome Chris and your host, Private Investigator, Matt Spare. Welcome everybody to the next installment of PI Perspectives Quick Hits. While we are getting closer and closer to OsmosisCon, we are almost done with our speaker highlight. I feel like we're saving the nitty gritty getting towards the end here. Uh, today we are talking to Chris Poulter. So Chris, I wanted to welcome you to the program. How are you? Good. Thanks, Matt. And thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So we had to coordinate a little bit because you're not necessarily in the United States, right? Tell everybody where you're at and what time it is over by you. Yeah. No, in, in Australia. And I appreciate you uh, accommodating this around your time zone. You know, it's, it's unusual. Normally, um, you know, we're working the midnight shift to, to align with the U.S. side of the house. So, um, so yeah, no, we're in uh, Sydney, Australia, uh, coming up to summer here. So it's uh, we're in spring and, and, you know, the weather's coming back. So, yeah, it's nice. Good, good. It's definitely nighttime here. I'm kind of a night owl, so it all worked out uh, perfectly. Um, so I actually met you last year. Uh, you were at Osmosis um, in Orlando. You actually did a Bit and Bytes presentation there as well. I didn't get a chance to sit on your Bits and Bytes because I was doing one myself. And that's, uh, you know, that speed dating stuff is always a little bit crazy when you're doing it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Was that your first Osmosis last year or had you been before? No, that was that was my first, and yeah, it was a, it was a great conference, and was uh, really looking forward to getting out to San Diego this year. On, but unfortunately, obviously, COVID, you know, put a pause on that. But yeah. you know, it's it's good that we can still get together and, and talk uh, in the virtual side anyway. Yeah, we'll get you next year when we're back out there. So, uh, 
So that's Absolutely. good. It's, it's all good. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into this line of work? Yeah. Okay. So um, going right back, I started out, uh, I guess, out of school into the IT sector, um, you know, mostly in well, a bit of a blend between security aspect, bit of development work, you know, uh, a bit of infrastructure management stuff. And then, um, and then took a, I guess, a hard right and um, got into the military, you know, more field-based uh, work and did that for over a decade. And then, so towards my um, end of the tenure there, I, uh, I got out and started a company and really merging the two worlds of the physical and digital terrain, you know, bringing that sort of experience and finding the nexus between those and applying that into the ocean space. Um, and when we started out as a training organization, primarily pushing you know, training packages, structured training packages in open source Intel back into sort of various customers you know, in, in the Australian space. And we've since sort of expanded to more of a global footprint. You know, we've got customers throughout the US and, and Canada and other sort of places as well. So, um, so that's where we started. And then, then we evolved and uh, built Nexus Explore, which is our flagship product. So we have that sort of uh, distributed in five different countries, uh, or the you know sort of the um, I guess strategically oriented customers is our is uh, part of where we sort of focus our areas, and that's government and corporate as well. So you know um, what we're about as a company, you know, Ocean Combine, and and with our uh, Nexus Explore platform is building. Uh, and enduring capability uh, from an open source Intel perspective within within customers. So um so yeah in a in a five minute spill that's uh that's that's my background. All right, well the, uh, you definitely covered everything. I think we're we're up to speed now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so uh, you're going to be talking about using social engagement metrics for robust link yes. analysis, and that's a mouthful right there. So why don't you explain to everybody <laughs> what you're going to be talking about? I think it's fascinating only just reading this stuff here. Uh, a sneak peek, but tell me in your own words what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So we're um, f- taken away from rather than looking at friends networks when we talk about social network analysis as a discipline, right? There's um, uh, obviously there's a there's the theory behind it and and uh, how it can be applied. And traditionally, people look at friends networks uh, and what that means. One of the perspectives that I'll be talking about is uh, how you use engagement metrics, so your likes and your comments, paints a different picture. Now, both pictures can be important. You know, complex friends networks um, can paint one side of the fence, but there's issues around that with who can authorize being on a friends list and how quickly they scale out. You know, everyone wants to add someone to be a friend, right? Because you know, the, you know, the size of your friends list um, is not always indicative of who's actually a friend on there. But the engagement side paints another story about who's actually whether they're, they're talking to you, uh, if you're doing it like a single lens perspective, or you're, you're flipping that around and you start really getting complex around um, you know, multi-entity uh, analysis, and you can actually start to see clusters of individuals and who forms um, you know, triads and dyads, which is you know, part of social network analysis, um, and uh, where that might take you from an investigative point of view, or if you're trying to drive intelligence of you know, pockets of individuals that are, that are sort of uh, engaged. And obviously marketing firms and, and, you know, the social media platforms have been uh, using this, you know, for forever uh, since they started. I mean, they, they use it to drive ad revenue and, and you know, understand your social behaviours. And uh, I think we could sort of have a chat around, um, you know, that, that new Netflix show, uh, Social Dilemma, yeah. um, that, that's come out and that sort of paints it in a, in a, in a I guess, the, the marketing aspect from it. But from an uh, investigative point of view, you know, I think it's, a, it's an important thing to consider because uh, it paints a very different picture. Uh, it's a, it can be 
uh, easy and hard to do. It depends, and, and sort of talk a little bit about you know building and uh, adaptive tooling and things like that. But um, right. but yeah, it's a really interesting space, and, and and we always consider it. Yeah, I mean, first of all, that that documentary. If you haven't seen it, you definitely should see it. It's the social dilemma, and it it covers this. You know how Facebook basically built an empire using that type of analysis and, and, and monetizing it, right? They, they had uh, somebody come in and his whole job was to take, you know, this data and turn it into revenue. <laughs> and it's pretty amazing how they went about doing it. So I see like this type of research. Um, I know on my end um, doing juror research, right? So if we're trying to do a background on a, on a juror, you know, finding out what they like and what they comment on or the groups they're, they're a part of or the books they read and things like that. Those are important factors. That's a, a, actually, I would argue to say it's more important than what they're saying uh, is, is what they're a part of uh, and what they're liking and what, you know, they're not necessarily commenting on, but what they're, what they're liking and, and what their interests are. Uh, it's a good way to build a profile. So I've seen that on my end, using it personally in my business, you know, there's, there's definitely a need for it. It's a really cool uh, way to look at things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that particular one around the behavioural side, people are, uh, often have reservations about what they might post because they're uh, cognizant of, of how they could be used against them in the future. But what they like is often this, you know, uh, data point that you're like, oh, well, I like it. No one really take notice of it. It doesn't mean anything. But when you start painting that picture, you know, and, and putting the mosaic together, it, um, you know, it, like you said, it can really lead you down some interesting, interesting channels. Uh, and then when you tie that from the the engagement side of of who talks to who, you know, that that opens up um, your social network analysis perspective from just a whole different lens. Definitely, it's uh, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. So, can can you give me like some case studies, I guess, on doing this type of investigative work on your end, where you see it comes in like the most handy? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll, I'll probably focus on the missing person stuff because um, a lot of people sort of relate to to a lot of the work that's going on in that space at the moment. And so, looking at you know when you got uh, some of these missing persons cases, and people have, or and it could be something else as well, but they might have five, six, you know, 10 profiles that they're using, whether it's to obfuscate their activity or because they, you know, it's just something they've done. Um, and if you're trying to understand who they might be engaged with, which can lead you to another investigative point for whether it's to understand associates that might know them, um, uh, who you can then go and uh, talk to, to, to understand, you know, do that. How do they know this person and why are they engaging with them um, particularly? So there was, a, there was a case um, a few months back and it was looking at this individual. He had 17 different profiles on Instagram and Facebook. And one of the things we we're looking at was, okay, all the focus was on friends networks, locations, all those sort of things. But by doing uh, engagement network uh, analysis, essentially, or, uh, or engagement clustering, we could see that there was a, there was a person that wasn't on, uh, necessarily on all of the friends list for the person. But what they had done, they had uh, engaged with each of the profiles on both Instagram and Facebook, and they, uh, but they were not active on the on the friend side, and so all of a sudden we went from having okay, they had you know hundreds of friends on one profile, thousands on another. How do you build all this out, and how does that paint a picture? To well, there's actually you know two or three individuals, and it got down to this one individual that is actively engaging from both a comment and like perspective across all 17 profiles across multiple platforms. 
Uh, so now you've got that cross-platform perspective. And, right. and what that meant was this was not someone that was on the radar before, but hey, if, if, if they're going out of their way to engage with this person, then they must have some sort of motive behind that. So uh, it just gives the investigator or you know the, the law enforcement aspect something. It's just another vector to explore. Right. Um, and if you can build tools to automate it, uh, then obviously that cuts down time. And so it's not it's not uh, the golden nugget. It's just another vector that um, that, that you, know, you want to take into account for any investigations because uh, they may know something that could lead to you know, a positive outcome. So if somebody that does this type of research, what do you think is a, a good characteristic or quality that uh, an investigator would show to do this stuff? Okay, so I'd say there's sort of two main ones. The, the first one, I mean, you've got to be inquisitive and you've got to be tenacious because doing this type of uh, work and this type of research uh, – is can be taxing in terms of you know how long it takes you. You need to be able to um, you know be inquisitive about why someone or why someone's interacting or, or the different angles there. But to support that, to do it effectively and efficiently, um, you need to be adaptive to to tech. I mean, you need to be able to uh, move away from okay, well I've just got a series of tools. This is all I can do, and adapt to be able to. Um, transition to data sources where you you, you you know may not have tool sets for so you need to be comfortable pulling apart the browser you may need to even go to the next step and look at building your own tools uh, to automate some of these processes so adaptive to technology because uh, i think most most investigators will be adaptive to the concept of you know and, and the mindset around you know pivoting and all those sort of different things that's, that's why you know they do it right um but if you, you need to be able to bundle in today's age uh you know, technology changes and, and being up to speed on that. Uh, otherwise, you just can't keep up with the pace of, right. um, of, of uh, you know, the tech. So, I mean, obviously, we've we've seen TikTok really take off and become what it's become. And I think prior to that, Instagram was probably the, the place to go. And, and, you know, Facebook obviously is Facebook. I mean, of those three, what would you say would be the hotbed for doing research these days? Well, it depends on, on what you're actually researching. So, so our primary focus is, is mostly CT work um, and, and then into the county human trafficking space uh, as well. So they're sort of our, our two lenses. Uh, Facebook still is supremely active with uh, illicit content um, or content associated with uh, extremist activity. And it's not really well moderated. And, you know, so there's, there's still plenty of work that can be done there to pull that apart to, to understand associate networks and those sort of things. Instagram, probably less so unless you're looking for a particular perspective. Now, there'll be, um, there'll be you know, it, again, it depends on what your use case is or what your, your problem set is that you're trying to solve. TikTok is the, you know, if you're doing stuff in the human trafficking space, I mean, there's, you know, that's where the predators are hanging out. So, you, you know, you've got you to be able to understand how that network works and how the vectors are sort of being applied there and, and be able to pull those apart as well. So, yeah, all important data, data points or, or um, sources, but you need to apply it to what your problem set is really because it is different. So how have you seen COVID affect this workspace and, and your ability to do research and, and gather what you need to do? Like what, what's different now than uh, six months ago? The workload's actually increased, really, because everyone, you know, shifted from obviously uh, the, the human aspect to the interaction side to uh, going more and more online because that's all you know people can do these days uh, when they're in working in isolation or at least you know under social distancing side. So uh, the work increased, uh, people going online more, which means there's more there's more predators, there's more bad guys online. Um, there's, there's less of the on the ground stuff at the moment, but that'll all shift back. I mean, it's just a this is just a snippet in time. 
Um, right. So, yeah, there's definitely been a, a volumetric increase in, in online activity around these sort of different areas. Right. And what, what do you think, like, on the horizon here as far as technology goes in, in this space? What are you excited to see? What do you think is coming down the line that's going to make your job more interesting or maybe a, a little bit easier? I'm really interested in the NLP space. So using uh, as that AI platform sort of evolved to get more value out of NLP. So you know, understanding the limitations that AI had around text-based analysis because of you know colloquial tongues. And every time someone does a Google search or a Google Translate, it it makes that better because it's feeding the data sets and machine learning can you know get better at it. But there's plenty of other play- platforms like you know uh, Rosette and some of those ones. And I'm really interested to see how that plays a role because now we and then use tech uh, to look at what was traditionally, you know, the the what the human was, you know, doing analysis on to understand the context of someone's online messaging. If we can, you know, start to create some efficiencies in that, because obviously there's so much data out there. Um, if we can use some AI to support that, I mean, I'm I'm uh, in favor of always having the human run their eye over it and always, you know, the trusting the analyst uh, uh, gut or the investigative, you know, perspective, because that's where the experience is. But if you can use tech to create efficiencies, you can spend less time collecting, more time analyzing. And so I'm really excited by the NLP space. Yeah. I think the happy medium is somewhere in between, right? I agree with you though. There always needs to be, you know, just a human taking a look at things um, and something that's completely AI driven. Uh, I, me personally, I don't trust hundred percent because I feel like sometimes they're, they're, considering something to be white noise that is actually uh, you know, maybe a positive finding that you just need to research out a little bit further. Absolutely. I mean, it's just there to create efficiencies and, and point you in the right direction. I mean, that, that might change later down the track, but that's the way I, way I definitely see it now. I think the, the buzz around it, um, you know, and the, and the hype around buzzwords of you know, AI and machine learning um, has sort of, we, we've matured in understanding where it plays a role right now uh, from, from, from a few years ago. And, and, this is going to give researchers more time uh, to, you know, we're in the age of implementation with AI right now. What's next is that next evolution where it, it does that next thing. Cause the way we're using it right now has been around for, you know, for a long time. It's just, we didn't have the, you know, if, if we get into a deep AI discussion, you know, around right. um, new, uh, neural networks, I mean, they've been around for a long time. It's, it's now we're just implementing them in a more effective way because we've got data processing speeds and people willing to adopt the technology. But the next thing will be you know, where they take it and where they, they try to apply it in a, in a more sophisticated manner. So I think that's an um, interesting space to watch, but sure. uh, still, it still relies on the human, man. What do you think are some of the mistakes that folks make when they're trying to do this type of analysis? If they're just like, say, they're just trying to tackle it with having no real background, what would you say some, some of the, the oversteps that maybe they make? I would first look at under if you talk about social network analysis, right. um, you know, from from a discipline, I, I would un, I would go and do a bit of background research in understanding it as a concept. I mean, it's been around, you know, for for, for as a theory uh, for a very long time, you know, early 20th century. So understanding what it is as a principle, because then uh, when you go to do it, whether it's engagement analysis or friends analysis or you know all those sort of things. Rather than just trying to connect dots and thinking that paints a picture, it's understanding the, the theory behind it. Now, you don't need to go and obviously get a doctorate in um, social network analysis. It's a complex space. And unfortunately, the vernacular around it starts to confuse the whole thing. But just as a basic, very rudimentary introduction, that will allow or drive you into understanding what you want to get out of 
doing a social network analysis? Is it to understand the connections between people? Is it to understand um, the centrality of a of a of an actor involved in a topic? Like so if we talk about disinformation campaigns and those sort of things. Now, there's different perspectives of what social network analysis provides, or even just network analysis. So I'd get a, a rudimentary understanding first, and rather than just trying to uh, deep dive or jump, you know, jump straight into you know, friends analysis and those sort of things or, or engagement analysis um, because that's going to build your foundation to, to really take it to that next level. Right. So uh, this is all really fascinating stuff. And I, I can't wait actually for your uh, for your track here. I think it's going to be incredibly fascinating. These are the, the reasons why I like to do osmosis because I learn about things I have no clue about. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> it, it really, it opens your eyes to really understand what's out there on the open source side and, you know, just just seeing all the different disciplines of research uh, when it comes to investigations, I think is uh, fascinating. Um, so like what was something you took away from last year uh, as being uh, an attendee and, and uh, a quasi presenter like myself last year? Uh, <laughs> you know, what was your experience, you know, taken away from being there? I really like the sort of diverse nature of the, the topics because it, it had some really, you know, ground level um, uh, perspectives of how you know, private investigations go all the way through to uh, sort of high level, um, you know, corporate macro perspectives of, of how, whether it's OSINT or, or um, even, you know, the fusion of open and closed um, investigative techniques to, to achieve an outcome. So I really like the diversity of the topics. Uh, and so I, I took away a lot from that perspective. And obviously coming from Australia, uh, we do things differently. We we have different you know resource methods, different right. legal parameters. So I always like seeing how other countries operate and at all the different levels, whether it's you know local, state, federal, whatever it is. I think um, you know getting different perspectives and learning from other people is, is super valuable. Right. Uh, it was just a great event to come together and and um, uh, you know bump heads and talk offline. Uh, you know with, with, with other sort of um, people in this field, and I think that's that's a a fantastic thing to, to, to leverage. So I tip my hat to the Osmosis team for putting it together and Cynthia. So, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year as well. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a little bit different, obviously, because we're not in person, but uh, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to check out the platform yet. It It's awesome. Like, you know, there, there are already a ton of people signed up for this thing and just the interaction and the things that are, that are going on in there already is, uh, it's really great. I was, uh, I was actually sent Cynthia a message the other day. I was like, you know, one of the things you never think about this year, the difference as opposed to other years where you never knew who was going to be there until you actually got there. Now, actually, you have the ability to see who's going to be there and what their backgrounds are and almost like do a pre-network, you know, like work up like, OK, I want to connect with this person. I want to connect with that person. I want to connect with that. And and having this global cast uh, format, I think, is really cool because you have the ability to actually kind of get a sneak peek uh, of, of who, who you're going to be interacting with and start building those relationships already. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to see how the, how the platform plays out as well from, um, from being able to go into closed doors and, and have those sort of, you know, offline chats. So sure. um, yeah, it's not as good as sharing a beer after the event, but uh, you know, I think, you know, it should be, it should be good. It should be fun. All things considering, I'll take it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> with this year, 2020, I'll take it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so tell me, if you were not doing this type of investigative work, if you had any career choice you could possibly have, what do you think you would be doing? Uh, I'd be back in the military, uh, definitely. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of service, and uh, I think it's important. Uh, anything that can tie back to you know, uh, national security interests is um, is is you know, near and dear to my heart. So, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be back there in a heartbeat. 
Okay, great. Well, hey, thank you uh, for serving and uh, thank you for having a servant's heart. That's, uh, that's awesome. It's commendable, man. Um, so it, it, obviously folks can get a hold of you if they're part of Osmosis and part of uh, GlobalCast, but if they uh, have not signed up yet, um, first of all, what are you waiting for? Go sign up. We're, we're, it's almost time. We're getting closer and closer, people. <laughs> Please sign up. Uh, second of all, how would they get a hold of you if, uh, if they had any questions or any uh, wanted to know a little bit more about this topic? Yeah, just, uh, I mean, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, we're at, at OSYNC Combine or just look me up on um, LinkedIn and send me a message or, or shoot us an email via the website and, and you know, we'll, we'll get back to you. Um, and, and, you know, please reach out or, like you said, jump on the Osmosis uh, Con website and, and connect with us there and, and we can have some chats and uh, link up by Zoom. You know, always, always keen to, to jump on a call or a chat with someone and, and just learn about what they're up to and, uh, you know, whether there's synergies there or just to learn about you know, how people are doing things differently, I think is, um, is valuable. So, so please reach out, you know, uh, phone's always on. Yeah. Even if you have to, uh, uh, talk real late at night, right? If you got to be on American time, you're, you're okay with that. You're willing to, to make that sacrifice. That's, uh, that's awesome. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the normal for us. Like I said, we, 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 we worked, we worked the reverse cycle because you know, a lot of our customers are in the U S so right. it's, it's normal for us. And I kind of like you a bit of a night hour once yeah. the families are sleeping, you can get a little bit of stuff done. <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay. So we're going to wind down this episode. So, Hey, uh, folks, the clock is ticking here. We're getting closer and closer. Uh, I'm very, very, excited for this event. I think it's going to be amazing. Um, if you have not signed up yet, please, please go check it out. It's uh, osmosis, O-S-M-O-S-I-S-C-O-N.com. You definitely want to register and be a part of this great program. So Chris, again, thank you so much for taking the time and making yourself available. And uh, we will catch you at OsmosisCon 2020. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us. Look forward to seeing everyone there. Hey, thanks for joining us for this quick hit segment. We thank Chris for laying the foundations for this great topic. Have you signed up yet? Why not? So many great things lined up. Go to osmosiscon.com for more details. Also, be sure to check out investigatorstoolbox.com for some other great benefits from Cynthia and her team. Now, thanks for tuning in and check out the next regular episode on Monday.